Our memory verse today comes to us from Acts uh, 2.42. says this, they, those were the disciples, the, the new believers, not just the disciples, but all of the new believers in the early churches. This happened right after Pentecost. They, all the Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And this is what was called the Great Commitment. Well, actually, that is not a passage in Scripture that is known as the Great Commitment. It's a passage of Scripture where we see a great commitment. And uh, where we are going through this series talking about uh, great things, right, the, the greatness challenge, uh, we've been looking at biblical habits of greatness, about how God wants us to uh, be great. What does he say there are great things? Well, um, the first week we talked about uh, the great uh, commandments, the first two weeks, and, and so the first week was the challenge that we need to follow greatly, to love God with our heart, soul, and mind. And, and then the second week we talked about the, the challenge was you know, how to care greatly, how to love our neighbor as ourselves. And um, last week we talked about how to serve greatly, and we uh, looked at the great compassion in Scripture, how we love our neighbors, and, and how do we do that. And today we're going to talk about the key to really fulfilling those first three. Because without commitment, nothing happens. You ever notice that? That's really the problem with uh, New Year's resolutions. We have all the dream. We want the end. But to get from here to there, there's going to be change and pain and difficulty. and, And it's going to require commitment. There's a reason, I believe, that uh, in uh, in the church we have uh, uh, words that we say during a wedding ceremony. Uh, that we, we make vows, we commit to certain things, right? There's a reason for that. Because life isn't always easy, right? There are times when it's easy and there's times when it's difficult. I think there's a reason why if you sign up for a good gym, they're going to ask for a certain amount of money to put skin in the game, right? So you're committed. So that way you feel bad about wasting your money if you don't show up, right? There's something about commitment that is necessary in order for great things to happen in life. And so today we're going to be talking about this commitment. So if you have your Bibles, you turn to Acts chapter 2. And uh, the book of Acts is, is really the book of the birth of the church. And traditionally it's known as Acts of the Apostles, but I like to see it. I think it's more Acts of the Holy Spirit, about how God grew the church. And when we get to Acts chapter 2, we find ourselves right after, in verse 42, we're going to be beginning, uh, we find ourselves... Right after Pentecost. After thousands of people end up joining the church, right? This is the birth of the church, and it's the very first verses that we read after Pentecost. Now, we all think about the church. How did it start for 12 people, and then within a few hundred years, you know, becomes the official religion of, of Rome, and then basically becomes the dominant religion in, in you know, the Western Hemisphere, and then the dominant religion in the world. How did that happen? Well, if you want to see what it... How did it begin? These are the verses that tell us. And it, we always see, like, what was, the, what was God up to, right, in growing things? But you ever ask yourself, what were the people of the church up to? How did, how did they make this happen? That's what we get. And so in verse 42, the very, right after Pentecost, it says, uh, verse 41, it says that those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That was Pentecost. That was the birthday of the church. Verse 42, first thing we read. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers together had everything in common. They sold property and possessions. They gave to anyone that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. That's revival on an, on an amazing scale. This is, I think, what we, we, we look at, what we want to have, right? We want to see daily people coming to Christ. We see the church growing and doing what it's supposed to do. But you notice that there was something that they, they did. There's a word in there, in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves. Devoted. That's a word of commitment. This was not just like this, 
this last thing. They, they heard this emotional message, and then they said, what must we do to be saved? And they were baptized, and they're like, oh. And then the next day, the feeling started to wear off, or the next week, and then they just went back to life as normal. There was no life as normal. There was a new life, a great life. There was a commitment that they gave. They devoted themselves when it was easy and when it was hard. So, we see here that uh, that's great statement that I was kind of helped me form my thoughts as I went to this. It says a great commitment to the great commandments and the great commission done with great compassion will grow a great Christian, a great church, and a great Christian. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Well, today we we talk about that very first thing: a great commitment. All those other things are wonderful. God has given everybody the great commandment, right? He's given all of us the great compassion. All people, we've known about the, the Great Commission for, uh, forever, right? since, since he gave it. Why is it that our church has been here over 20 years now and still the majority of the people who live in Estes don't know who Jesus is? Right? Do we believe in our heart and our soul that, that it is the same God who empowers evangelism today who did that at, at Pentecost? Do we believe it is his same heart that God wants? He, he says that it is his will. He wants all people to hear, all people to understand, all people to be saved is really what he would like. Do we believe that God is the one who is still empowering his work today? Do we believe it is the same God who, who transformed the life of Paul, right, who started out as the murderous Saul and transformed him to the great apostle to the Gentiles, that same God. Is it that same God, that same Holy Spirit who's at work in you, who has that same transformative power? Because if we do, I think we need to start thinking about our our theology of, of how we think God works. I am... So tired of reading and hearing uh, Christian leaders saying that we must be like in the days of Isaiah when we are, the people's hearts are hardened. And that's why the, the gospel won't grow. Right? We're in a time in which, uh, you know, we, we can't see change in people's lives because we live in a generation that just doesn't want to hear about him. And that's why it doesn't seem, it seems so difficult to, to have evangelism. You know, I might be willing to assent to that if I saw the church really doing everything God called the church to do. But you know what? That's not what I see, and I don't see it in my life, and I don't see it in, in our world. I believe there is a lack of commitment. That there is this, this thing where we believe that somehow when Jesus died for us and he gave us a new life, that now I have an option as to whether or not I want to obey him whether or not I want to follow him, whether or not I want to live the life he called me to live. I believe that the same power of the Holy Spirit that was at work in the church in in those very first days is the very same spirit here, that God didn't change his heart and he didn't change his mind and he didn't change his power. When I look at these passages that we just read in Acts 2, what I do see is that the church may have changed. I believe there is a lack of devotion that is necessary in order for us to see the transformation that we keep asking God for. God has not changed. And I believe this, that it was God's heart for us to reach this community. That it is God's heart for us to reach every corner of the globe with the gospel. No matter how difficult or hard, it was in this horrible circumstance in Acts 2 where they were living in a very anti-Christian culture. They just crucified Jesus like a month earlier. It was not an easy place. They, had just, they were going to beat and whip the apostles for this. It was not an, a, congr- a, a culture that was open, receptive to the gospel. But the gospel exploded and did amazing things. And why? Because God is always going to be true to his word and his heart. God wants to act. I think that if we do our part, God will always do his. So we're going to talk today, what is it that God wants us to do? How do we do this? Because I believe when we are faithful and we are about doing what God called us to do, great things happen. That's when great things happen. See, the problem with evangelism today is not that we have lack of Holy Spirit power. The problem is here. And the great thing about that is that we can change this. But we have to change this. So we're going to look at today, we're going to look at five commitments that I think that are essential. 
for spiritual growth. And the first one is this. You've got to receive teaching daily or every Sunday. Receive teaching every Sunday. And then there's four reasons why we receive teaching every Sunday. The first one is that it is commanded. Coming to church as a Christian is not really an optional thing. We think of it as because really, I get this. There are tons of other things you can do on Sunday, right? There are a lot of other things you can do. Probably a whole lot more fun than come listen to me, right? Singing along with Zach's great fun. I get that. But, you know, come listen to me. Not always the most fun thing. There are a lot of other things to do. And I think that what we find is oftentimes is that there's really, there's no accountability, really. If you don't come, there's no, you don't get fired. Nothing bad immediately happens in your life, right? And because of that, I think what we find is that in our level of commitment, we will say, well, I'll go to church so long as there is nothing else that is more pressing, that is more interesting for me today, right? Let me share a passage for me from the book of Hebrews, Context in the book of Hebrews. This was a church that was being persecuted by Nero. What he would do is he was, and this was probably written to the Christians in Rome, by the way, and what Nero had done is he decided he was going to blame Christians for starting a big fire and made everybody mad, so right? So he was going to go and, and shut down the church. And so what he did is he sent spies out and he found up all the Christians that were there, rounded them up, and burned them. And then he found out all where all the Christians were hiding and were meeting together. And then he would follow them and he would torture their families until they would tell where the rest of the Christians were. It was dangerous to meet together during those days. That's when this book was written. That is when this was written. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now get that. This was a time in which if you went to church, there was a good chance you would be tortured and murdered. Right? There are a lot of safer places for Christians to be. And what priority did the Holy Spirit place on church attendance? He says, don't do it. Don't skip out. It may be dangerous, but it is essential for you to come together. I do not want to stand before my creator someday at my final exit interview and answer to him why I didn't show up and say, well, I wanted to go on a hike. Think about how thin our excuses are when God said, I laid my life down for you. You are my body. I own you and I told you to come together. This is not optional. If we are in Christ, we belong to Christ. And this is what he wants. And really, I know it's not the most fun all the time, but it's not that bad. We give you donuts. (laughs) Not only is it it something that that God has commanded for us to do, but we see that devotion means commitment. Right? That, That we were supposed to be committed to coming to this. That it's part of our heart, it's part of the decision that we said when we follow Christ, it's something that we said that we were going to do. We said, well, we're going to obey what he wanted, and he told us to do this. He said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's the example of what the early church did. You want to see church growth like we saw in the early church? It begins by when we start coming together. Devotion. The apostles' teaching and the fellowship, breaking of bread into prayer. What do we do every Sunday? Don't we go into the Word? Right? Don't... Don't we fellowship? Isn't that why we, we spend so much time and energy making sure that we talk and pray and all that stuff and, and we share communion? There's a devotion that is necessary when it's easy and when it's not easy. It's the example that we have. I think the third reason, though, is, is this, is that we come together every Sunday because you need the church. Ephesians 4.16 says this. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And this is how the church was supposed to work. And right before that, in the verses preceding it, it says, instead, we're going to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, his church. We want to grow spiritually, right? You want to grow spiritually, you want to see transformation in your life? It's not going to happen when you're at home alone. It will not. That's not what Scripture says how God works. 
It says God created us and he created you to be part of something. And you need that in order to grow. And when everybody does our own special work, when we get together and we, we do these things, we get what we need. It says so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. A healthy spiritual life depends upon you being an active part of a church. You cannot grow in Christ the way that he wants you to grow outside of it. It's just like if you took your spleen, whatever it does, and you took it outside of your body, it would stop doing whatever it's supposed to do, and you wouldn't have what you were, whatever it's supposed to do doing for you. <laughs> right? You're part of something. And God is brilliant in how he put us together. See, I believe in the, very deeply in the sovereignty of God. You were called here. That is why I have a great privilege to serve you. Every one of you. That's why I pray for you every week because God has something amazing for you to do. Each one of you. From the beginning of time, he saw you and he planned you to be here today. Think of the ancestors and all of time and all of history that led up to this moment for you to be here, part of this. His great work now. It's an awesome thing for me to think about that this body was designed to do amazing things. But we've got to be a healthy body to do those healthy, great things, don't we? You need the church. You need to be here. Don't buy into this crazy idea that somehow, just by having Scripture alone and you and your quiet walks with God, that you're going to grow into the person He designed you to be. It will not happen because the Scripture that is supposed to help you grow tells you to be here. Tells you you need the other Christians. Tells you you must be part of this. Another reason why we find it so important is not just that you need the church, it's that the church needs you. It, it, we can't grow as, as, a, as a church without you. You know, in the church, you're going to receive a lot of things. Fellowship and relationship. Right? We need accountability. You ever tried to, to start a new workout regimen all alone? Nobody else around you to help? It fails. Or a diet, or like a reading. If you were over, try to like, read the whole book or the Bible or something like that all by yourself, it's really hard when it gets, you get into like numbers and it gets boring. Right? You need other people. There's fellowship that's there. There's, relationship, there's, there's encouragement and support. In the church, we find community and, and, and worship and prayer and all those things that help one another. Uh, even this week, I spent with four different families this week struggling through very difficult things. And I, every time I left their homes, praying with them, talking with them, Every single time it was amazing to see how the church body came together and supported them. And I would think to myself as I was leaving, how on earth do people live this, in this world without a church? I have no idea. It's an amazing thing. There are other things that you get here, though. Things that we, we help one another on when you come to church. We, 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 uh, we memorize scripture which helps us meditate on scripture. It helps us put God's word into our heart and our minds. We, we have lots of uh, different I try to teach you from the Bible every week so that way as you read through scripture you've got an idea of kind of things and then I challenge you to actually read that scripture yourself. Right? In the word and in church we come together and we grow. And you're a huge part of that. Not only do we grow, we serve one another. We do, we do uh, uh, acts of service. We, we pray for one another. It's at this time we get to know one another and we gain that sense of community that we all need. And you know, to help facilitate that, we, we produce a lot of tools that maybe, um, you know, I don't talk about them very much, but they're here to help you grow, like, like this bulletin. You know, it seems like a simple thing, but we do invest in it. And I don't know if you've ever really thought about a bulletin and why we put the things in there, but let's just go through it real quickly so that way you understand why, why we have these things in there. We have sermon notes. Every week I have sermon notes. You know why I have sermon notes? Because I know that 95% of what I say you're going to forget by the time you leave those doors. That's just science, and it's sad, and it's really frustrating for me, right? But if you write it down, even if you never go back and read these things, you're going you're gonna to bump up to 20%. That's, that's a good investment on your time, right? So I'm talking something interesting, write it down, or fill in the blanks. That's why I put them in there. Some people like fill in the blanks. It makes you anticipate, right? But it also helps you get to see what's going on. I also put scriptures in there for you. Oftentimes in sermon notes, there'll be times that I'll actually write out the scriptures. If those are ones really important, then I think that maybe this week, something that I would love for our church family to look at. There are, there are notes in there to help you out. There are other things that we have in there. We have announcements. 
You know, how does each part do its own special work if we don't know what the work is out there to do? That's why we have all kinds of great things. Why Sarah does an awesome job. That yellow sheet of paper, those are announcements every single week. It's, it's really amazing how often that we miss things and people say, oh, if I just would have known about that, I would have come. And Sarah gets so frustrated. She's like, I printed it out. I put it on this lovely sheet. And then I sent it on, on to our weekly update. We put it on our website. But I get it. Life's busy. So here's something for you. We get it so you could take it home. And so you can look at it and, and see where it is that you, you fit. Now, there's something else in there, with, there. Every week, there's a memory verse card. The reason I put a memory verse card in there and why we, we are so... I know it, it, not everybody loves memory verses, but here's the thing. It gives us an opportunity, one verse, something to begin to think about, to set God's word into our heart. And I want to give you as many tools as possible to do that. You know, I have a stack of these on my desk. And you know what I do every month is I go through the previous month's verses, which doesn't take very long, right? And then, and then at the end of every year, I go through all of the memory verses for that whole year. And then I, sometimes as I just have some extra time waiting on hold or something like that, I'll just go through and I'll start memorizing. But you know what? The, the verse of the day or that week is so helpful. I keep this around with me and I don't even have to look at it most of the time. I just feel it in my pocket and it reminds me to say the verse to think about what does it say? How does it apply to my life? It's a tool for you. Uh, there are other things that we have. We have our giving envelopes that are in there. That's an amazing thing that we find that when we are obedient to God and are giving, how he begins to draw our hearts in that. And, and so we've given you a giving envelope. And yes, it's, you can drop it in the mail if you miss it here, right? And it comes. But it's not so much the money, it's the heart. That we want to give you every opportunity. We want to take every week object every um, obstacle from obedience out of the way that we can not to make obedience easy but to make it so that way it reminds you so that you can be obedient so you can grow in christ there are other things that we have we have the uh, connection card that wonderful green card that everybody loves every week right we pull this out why do we have on this well i've got places so i know how to contact you you know when difficult things happen it really helps if i know where your house is you know and if you update that a couple months ago, there was a person that didn't update their address with us, and I was going to go pay them a call, and I paid their, uh, the new person that lived in their house a call, and it was an awkward but good conversation. <laughs> but if you let us know where you're at, that's a big deal, or what your phone numbers are. I, people's phone numbers change all the time. How do, how do we reach you? Uh, there are other things that we have on there. There's, there's lets us know if you're a... a, a if you're a guest or if you're a, a regular tender, if you're a member, you know what's amazing for us is to see when people go through that. Sometimes people are first-time guests, second-time guests, and right away they go be regular members or regular attenders. You know what lets me know is there's a level of commitment that they have in the church. It helps me reach out to them. Sometimes we see first-time guests, second-time guests, and then they just kind of leave it blank for a while because they don't know really where they fit. Right? That lets me know something too, how I can pray for them, how we reach out to them. They're, they're not connecting. Or how about when somebody goes from regular tender and they want to be a member, right? They've been sitting on that regular tender for a while. Well, when we have our membership class, it lets us know we can contact you and, and help people make those next steps of commitment. These are very important things, or like our Ravencresters. They have special needs because they're you know, college students in Estes Park, right? How do we pray for them? How do we connect with them? There are some things on there that really help us. There's also how many kids that we have so we can plan for those things, our age groupings that helps us in so many ways of knowing how to plan for life groups and other things like this. And on the back side, there's commitments. And you know, every week we have you to do a commitment. I encourage you and I challenge you because I know that it can be overwhelming when we see what we're supposed to be. We, what are the very next steps? Every week I try to do a couple things that are just easy one-step items. Things like this, like this week, we're going to memorize Acts. Every week I try to do a memory thing. Why? Set your heart on, on Christ. Sometimes I also add a, a, a reading. Oftentimes I try to get you into the Word. Say, so you know what, I'm going to commit to read just a chapter or a story in Scripture. Right? For a lot of people, we just haven't learned the habit of getting into the Word and knowing what that's like. These are to help us begin to learn those habits. Or how about this? Uh, uh, sometimes I often have prayer, but today I don't have prayer in there. I have the commitments that you would like to make based upon these. This would be commitment number one, coming to church every week. But it gives you the next step. Say, this is what I'm going to focus on. And then, uh, how about like this? Uh, join the, our discipleship class, something else. Uh, there's usually a greater step of commitment. Something is more for advanced. It's usually our fourth one, right? To get there. And then, there's always the other because it's been amazing. Sometimes, I'll put that other on there and then like 10 or 15 people will all write the same thing down that I didn't think of and it lets me know, man, God is doing something unless it's not to support it. 
And there's also next steps for people to know how do they start a relationship with Jesus or how do they want to be baptized, take those types of things, or a baby dedication. There's other big things in life that can happen. It gives you an opportunity to tell us that so we can reach back out because we have your contact information. And you know what? There's also prayer. When I pray for you, I'm not kidding. It takes me 11 hours every week to be able to pray for every person in this church. And if I know how to pray for you, it saves me time because then I don't have to worry. I wonder like, okay, God, what am I supposed to pray for them, right? I write it down. It's on my prayer list. I get to pray for you. And it's amazing what God has done. He does amazing things. When we ask him specific prayers, he gives us specific answers. It's good. And you know something else that we have on this? This isn't just about you. What I've noticed is that when we used to have guest cards for, for all the folks who came here one or two times, and they would come, we would have little, hey, we would call them visitor cards, which is even worse because it makes them feel like an alien. But these, those little guest cards, we have them fill out. We would maybe get one or two an entire year, right? Because nobody else was doing it, and no one wants to stand out. If we're going to be hospitable, we want to make sure people feel comfortable. I get it. If nothing else changes, you just write your first name on there and drop it in in that week, and that's what you do. Just by dropping it in, you set the standard so that way our guests feel comfortable dropping these things in because it's amazing how many times our guests come and they brave a brand new church, which is scary, and they go and meet a bunch of new people, which is scary, and they sit here and they have spiritual. There's a reason they came. They were be compelled for something, and this gives them that lifeline to reach out and to tell us where they're at. Once we started, everybody started doing these, we get guest cards almost every week. It's been amazing. It helps us to follow up and to care for people. It's an amazing tool that we, we hope that you uh, work with. Well, anyway, that's not, not the only reason that we have uh, that the church needs you and you need the church and that uh, you join us. But uh, we see this, that we join the church because there's work for you to do here, right? This is part of your calling. You cannot live up to the potential that God has built you for if you're not doing what you're supposed to do in part of the church. You are part of the body. Right? Think about your heart. If your heart was pumping somebody else's blood, you would be upset. Right? <laughs> Things would be up, not working so good. God made you to be part of a body. And, and you know what? You will be healthiest whilst you're here, and the church will be healthiest while you're here, but your purpose in life will be most fulfilled when you're part of a body. He's made you to do something, and it says each part does its own special work. I can't do your work in the church. I can't do what God created you to do, and you can't do what God created me to do. We are in this together, and we need one another. So we must come together. We must, on a weekly basis, make this, be devoted to this. It is important. And it's amazing when we do that, it says the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's where healthy churches begin when there's actually a church. You know what? I think it's important to realize that when you're not here, And when you are here, you're sending a message both ways. When you're devoted to the church and you come and you're being very faithful and you're here oftentimes, you're sending a message to every other Christian that is here. You're saying you're valuable and this is valuable. You're helping them just by your presence, by setting a standard, by saying this is right and good. Right? Can you imagine if you showed up to church and nobody else showed up that day? Wouldn't wouldn't that be defeating? You know, when you're not at church on Sunday, it does also send a message. I get it if you're sick or something like that or you're on vacation, it's hard to fly all the way back. But, but if you're just going on a hike, right? You're, you're getting a jump on the game or something like this, you are sending a message to every other person in this body that there is something more important. That's what you're doing. And I know it's not what you're meaning to do, but it is a message. Think about what's most important in this world. What is going to last? What were you made for? We were made to be part of the kingdom of God. We were made to be people of transformation, children of light, doing things that last for eternity. Set this as a high priority. One of the first challenges, the first things of greatness, be devoted to meeting together. Come and receive teaching every week. The next thing we want to do, commitment, the first one is to receive teaching every week. The second one is this, connect and fellowship weekly. Now that's a little different than coming to church. I mean, the church is great, um, but our focus here on Sunday is worship, isn't it? This is a service of worship. This is when the whole body comes together, and the purpose of today is not about you. It's about God. That's why we come together, to bring him worship. That's what I call the service of worship, right? So uh, we, we pray, we sing, we, uh, we celebrate communion together, we do all these things, but all of it is putting God back at the center of our life, to 
corporately together, we're saying God is the center. Our lives revolve around him. That's what we do. Now, that is wonderful, but there's other things that we need to have in our life, like fellowship and support and those types of things in a deeper level. If you just show up to church every Sunday, and that's all you have the interaction with other Christians and other believers, you're going to be a very lonely Christian. Right? You're going to feel like you're not known. There's, it's easy, very easy to show up to a church and then to leave and to feel like, I didn't talk to anybody, I didn't really get to go deep, because it's a difficult situation, circumstance to do that. There, you have to be around other believers intentionally to be able to get that kind of community that we crave and that we were designed for. And so we, uh, we call these things fellowships, there's men's ministries and women's ministries, there's activities that we do, there's also life groups, which is a great way of doing that. Right? And... Um, and we look at, in, in Scripture, you'll notice that the early church was committed to both. Both going to church and to meeting together. Did you, did you see that in your uh, in the things? Uh, I think I have it. Uh, nope, I don't. Okay, it says here, it says, They broke bread in the, um, together in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, Right? But before that, it says they devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Right? They, they came together, and then they, they uh, fellowshiped together. There was this idea that they went to, to the synagogues, they met daily there, and then they met daily in the homes. So the early church, we want to see how did the early church grow after Pentecost. We see these things. There was a commitment. It wasn't just about church on Sunday. It was about being the church every other day of the week together. It's the verses 46 and 47, actually, that, that if you want to see it there, it says, They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, but every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. There was both. See, for us, we need to realize that there is there's something that we must do, a commitment to being part of the body, not just you know, showing up to witness the body. And there's a fellowship that is necessary. And now what was the result of that? They, they met together in the temple courts, uh, you know, and then they met together in each other's homes. What was the result? Well, verse 47. Uh, it says that they praised God and enjoyed the favor of all the people. And it says, and the Lord added to the number daily that those who were being saved. Explosive evangelism. We want to reach our community. We really want to reach Estes. <laughs> we want to be able to see people coming to Christ. It starts with us loving one another because Jesus said that the world will know we're legitimately his disciples that the way that we care for, the way we love one another. It starts there. It doesn't end there, but it starts there. So our life groups, as you know, are becoming under a kind of a rebirth. We've tried lots of different ways to figure out, to crack the code in our culture. How do we make our life groups connect and work well in this particular culture? And so over the last, what, four years, I think we've had five different ways that we've tried doing life groups. And, and uh, here's what I've discovered in it. Uh, it's not so much the method or the format that we put the life groups in. It's the commitment for life groups to see the need, the why we're doing this. Uh, and so uh, we have a, um, a great uh, uh, a person that God has brought after a lot of prayer, the Stallworths. Of course, they have just had their little baby, but they've helped us come up with a, a way of putting our life groups together to better administer and better support the leaders in life groups and, and do all that kind of stuff. We're just starting those things. Uh, each life group's going to have three focuses, community and service and support uh, and Bible study that we're going to be doing. Um, and so it's a... We really want these things to be able to grow. Our goal, ultimately, is that everybody in the church family be part of it. But instead of doing it programmatically, where we just kind of sign everybody up and try to push them into it, that wasn't helpful. We realized that they need to grow. It was this level of inviting and wanting to be part of it. Now, here's the thing. Each life group before, was we got to be comfortable with the people around us, and then they just kind of stagnated. But to change the thinking and say, no, we need to grow each Life group needs to be born pregnant. The idea that it's designed to grow and to multiply so we can fill this community with the fellowship and the love of Christ. Well, in order for that to happen, you know where our life groups are at right now? We've got four of them and they're busting at the seams. What we need are hosts and leaders. And I don't even call them facilitators anymore. I need leaders. I need people that are willing to lead the church in, in growing in Christ. And I need people to open their homes once a week to say, I would love to have people meet here so they can grow in Christ, so we can build community. That's what we need. And so if that's you and you want to help with that, let me know. You can write it down on your, on your connection card. But that's exactly where we're at. We have more people for homes than we have homes for people to meet in. But this is where we begin, right? We need to start meeting together. Also, uh, we, we look at this. Our commitment number two is to connect and fellowship weekly. 
On your notes, I have those little things that I fill in the blanks. Now, how are you doing on this? Maybe it's a question for you. I write that. I says, am I in a life group? Yes or no? Well, that's easy for you to answer. But the bigger question I want you to ask is, are you a person that can lead or facilitate a life group? And if you are, I need you to talk to me. All right. Next thing is commitment. Is the next one is this, Bible study daily. The Bible, I mean, look at this. They committed themselves daily to the study of the, the apostles' teaching, right? Daily. Now, there's a large group. You see that the, the, the commitments here start with a large group. I'm coming to the church, all of us together, weekly, right? And then I'm committing to a, a life group, a smaller area of fellowship, regularly, right? Getting into that. And now, we're going on a personal devotion. This is your relationship with God. This is the part where a lot of Christians think this is where growth begins. This is the third level. In the context of the church, in a life group, now we have opportunity to be able to study God's word and to speak with him and have that, that, that community that is necessary for God's word to help us grow. And it starts with this personal devotion. So Psalm 119, a beautiful psalm, talks about God's word. It's the longest psalm in scripture. It's, it's, uh, literally, it's just a genius art, uh, piece of, 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 of uh, poetry. But in there it talks about God's word all the way through it. And it says this about God's word. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. Now, think about what light does. At night, it helps you get to your destination. You ever had a time where you're driving and your headlights aren't working? It's difficult. Okay? I was driving back from skiing the other day, and, uh, and our headlights got covered with like mud and stuff. We could barely see on the interstate. I had to pull over and wipe them off. And then we could see again. It was so much easier to drive. Our life is like that. When you don't have God's word, we're driving blind. And we can get into all kinds of accidents, and that's what happens. See, light helps us avoid obstacles. It helps us to identify threats in our life, things that you didn't even know were threats, because you don't have the whole mind of God yet. But you've got the wisdom of God in his word. So we use it. Also, it helps us to, uh, to, to be able to live our lives intentionally. Now, here's the funny thing about lights, is you can't turn on tomorrow's light today, Right? I can't go into my life and say, I'm going to turn on my bedroom light right now, and then it turns off later on, and then that light that I turned on today is not the same light that's going to help me tomorrow. If I want to see tomorrow, I've got to go and make sure I turn the light on again tomorrow, right? There is something about daily walk with Christ that helps us to take the right steps daily, and it makes sense. There's something else that says about the word. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's what memorization and meditation is all about. There's one thing about reading scripture, but we forget things, don't we? And God's word is so deep. There is something to it that helps us to to take God's word and put us in our heart. And you know what that does for us is that there are times then where we want to do something stupid and God's word says, it's like a treasure box in our heart. opens up and it says, don't do something stupid. And you're like, oh, that's a good idea not to do something stupid. Thank you, God's word, right? It helps us. That's why we have the memory verse cards. That's why we encourage you to meditate. Think about what they say every week. Hide God's word in your heart because you never know. You're going to be at Starbucks or Safeway or at a gas station or with your family sitting around a table playing a game of the holidays or something like that and an opportunity will come up to witness or to help or, or there's counsel in God's word. And if you won't have your Bible handy, but if it's in your heart, you have God's wisdom with you all times. And it helps us to live lives that are not foolish. So getting into a Bible study daily is, is an amazing thing. And so uh, here's some tools that we have for you. The, the connection cards. On the connection cards, every week I challenge you to read God's Word. If you're not in the habit of reading God's Word, or you want to read according to, like, alongside what we're studying, do that. It's a way of getting into God's Word every single day. Also, there's, there's Bible reading plans. There's these great books. I have one right here that I did a couple of years ago. It's a one-year Bible every day. There's got some Old Testament, some New Testament, some Psalms, some Proverbs. There's, there's one, com- one community, one book that we've been doing. It's, a, uh, it's a, through the Bible um, chronologically. You can buy one of those. They're like $15, right? Or there's little lists that you can print out. That I lo- These are my favorite. They have like a list and it has all the books of the Bible, all the chapters, and you just check off the chapters as you read them. So that way it lets you know what you need to read. You, know, you don't go back and read something again before you read something else. It's really helpful. There's a lot of tools that are out there. And if you would like some help getting into a Bible reading plan, I would be happy to help you with that. There are daily devotionals that you can pick up. There's like our daily bread and all these other ones that you can pick up and have something every day kind of walk you through a little God's word. 
There's also just our discipleship class. We call it 2-7, but I think it's actually getting uh, bigger than that. But it's an idea of learning some of these tools. How do you do that? That's what our discipleship class is all about. And so we'll be starting one up again here in the spring. And if you're interested in joining that, uh, you can let us know. You can write down 2-7 on your memory thing or your, your connection card, and we'll get you signed up for that. But it's about getting into God's Word daily. It's a commitment. The disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so must we. So... On that, we say on your notes, uh, do you have a Bible reading plan for 2017? Yes or no? It's good to ask ourselves these questions, right? And if not, is there a way that I can help you to do that? All right. Third, uh, fourth commitment is this, talking to God constantly. It's not just like prayer is like a thing that, this is so cool about God. You don't have to go to a special place to talk to God, right? He doesn't have like paper phone booths or something like that where you have to go to like this temple and now he'll hear me. That's the cool thing. God's given us all like a little cell phone, right? We can talk to him at any time, but it's even better than it's like a walkie-talkie. You just click it on, right? And he can talk to us at any time he wants to. That's the great thing about our God. And the word tells us that he wants us to talk to him constantly, but I think a lot of times we think, how do I pray? That's one of the reasons we have corporate prayer in the church, so that you can hear other people pray and learn how to pray, right? How to talk to God. But here's the first way that we like to encourage people to pray. You know, God's word, it's God's word to us. It like communicates to us. Now think about when you have a communication, when you're talking with somebody, right? They talk to you and then you talk back to them. You respond what they're saying, right? It's really an awkward conversation. Say like you're talking about the Denver Broncos and you're like, oh, you know what? They got this new head coach and all that kind of stuff. And they respond back about something totally different. Now they're talking about their dog. They're like, and my dog Fluffy, you know, she's like really, really yippy and all that. And that's not a conversation, right? It's weird. How often do we read God's word and he's telling us, hey, this is a great way to live. And then we're like, that's awesome, God. Hey, you know what I really would like to talk about? A great way of, of praying is when you read God's word to respond back. Say, I read this and it confuses me. Would you please help me understand this? Or you know what, God, this was really convicting and I got to apply this into my life and I really don't want to. So help me get the heart so I can do that. Or you know what, I see this as a challenge and I don't know how that it can possibly happen. You're going to have to help me at this. Talk to God about what you're reading. That's a great, it's called a conversational prayer. It's a great thing. Ephesians 6 says this, pray on all occasions in the spirit, right? With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Now, this is permission to talk to God. You don't have to come to the church or a priest or anybody else. It says you can pray all times. In fact, it's commanded. So all occasions, that's at church, that's your quiet time, that's while you're driving, that's at work. Just don't close your eyes while you're driving and you're praying. You can actually keep your eyes open. Um, all kinds of prayers. There's all kinds of prayers you can do. You can say prayers, help me, Lord, with this, or Lord, I'm angry about this, or, or God, I don't understand this, or Lord, I need wisdom, or Lord, I need your, your help. There are all kinds of things that God says he invites you to talk to him about. But he says there's not like a particular time you have to just schedule it. Just talk to him. Realize that God is with you and, and begin acting like that. So here's some tools that we have for you. I have our connection cards in there every week. You, most weeks I have a thing on there to say this is what you can pray for, right? Um, we'll also have our, our prayer team. And I'll tell you what, this next year, I would love to see that prayer team become more, you know, really kind of kick it in the next gear. We need more people to be part of that are really committed to helping strategically pray for things in our community. So if that's you, let me know. Also, there's prayer lists that every week in the church, people say, hey, listen, I don't want just the pastors to pray for this, but I'd like the whole church body to pray for. If you're a member of the church and you get the weekly update, you get a prayer list. Pray for those things. There's also a thing that you can use as a prayer journal. These are awesome because when you list out the things that you're praying for, then you can also write down when God answered them. And it's amazing when God answers your prayers. And then later on, when you're feeling discouraged, you can look back and you say, hey, look at this. And it also helps you to say thank you for when God, the many times he answers your prayer. So prayer journals are awesome. There's also our discipleship class. We talk about many different ways that you can pray and, and help you take the steps in learning how to develop that, that wonderful habit. But the thing is, we need to learn to, to include God in our life. And that's talking with him constantly. And so, on your thing, you can rate yourself from a scale of 1 to 10. How are you, do you think, talking to God? <laughs> and are there ways that we can help you grow? Let me know. Also, there's this fifth one here, and that's serving my church monthly. Why monthly? That's really not in God's word to serve monthly. It's just a good first step. That's like 12 hours a year. If you think about the scope of things, that's not bad. But uh, remember that greatness principle that we talked about last week? Greatness comes through serving greatly. And we find that all the way through scripture. If we want to be great, we have to begin to serve greatly and that's going to take commitment. And so God designed you to serve. We saw that as each part does its own special work, right? 
That helps the other parts grow. That's you choosing to serve. That's serving within the body, by the way. Do you see the context? So how do you do your own special work? Well, there's something that you were designed to do, only you were made to do specifically. God said, this is how I designed you. That has to deal with your shape. So happens that here recently we just did a whole series on that called Shape, right? To help you decide, determine how is it that you can to serve God in, according to your design. Now, when, uh, and I'll show you in just a minute how to get there if you haven't listened to, seen some of those tools. But, but what happens when, when people begin to serve according to their shape? When every part does its own special work? Church growth, right? The, whole, the body is healthy and growing and full of love. Our hearts developed for serving. So here's some tools that we have for service. There's a, we have uh, ministry cards, like in the back there, we, different ministries that we have uh, gone to do. There's like you want to be men's ministry or women's or there's, uh, um, there's a creative arts kind of ministry, all kinds of ways that you can serve already in the church. There's uh, our shape ministry interviews where like I did 77 interviews like already this year. It's been amazing um, to help equip you guys to get things. You could talk to our, any of the pastors We'd love to meet with you and to help you find ways that you can serve. And so let's talk about how we get to those shape tools too. You know this page, this is a Google. So if you're familiar with the internet, let's just start there. There's a thing on the top of your internet browser and that's where we'll start. If you want to go find our shape tools, you put in there our, our website, which is funchurch.com. Okay, so if you go funchurch.com, It'll bring you to a site that looks a whole lot like this, okay? That's our website. And then you can even do this on your mobile phone because Zach's a genius and somehow he made it so you can find it, see it on your mobile phone. So then on that, on the side, there's things. You see where it says shape? There's a little thing. I know it's small for you. That's why I circled it. It says shape. There's tools right there. If you click on that, it's going to take you to our shape series page that looks a lot like this. Now, our Shape Series page has got, uh, the very top of it, it's got our sermons. So all the messages, that are right there. You can click play, you can download them onto your phone or your computer, or you can just play it right off the internet, and you can play all of those particular messages to talk about what God's Word has for you. And then, if you scroll to the bottom of the page, there's this thing here that has all of the tools that we talk about in those messages to help you figure out where it is, help you identify how you were shaped for ministry, right? The very bottom one is a heart-to-serve tool. And so, um, why don't you do that? You can schedule a ministry interview with me. It takes about 90 minutes. We'll meet with you one-on-one. We'll help you connect in the ministry, get you started in the ministry that God has shaped you for. It's a great way to start. And so, um, I encourage you to do that and uh, some good things. So, the commitment number five, serve your church monthly. Make that a start. Some of you already do that way more than monthly. Don't back off if you don't want to. Uh, but... It's a good place to start. All right, so on your notes, have you found a place to serve in your church? If the answer is no, let's find a place for you so that way the whole body can be healthy and growing and filled with love. So five great commitments we talked about today, things that are necessary, I think, for us as a church, we're supposed to be committed to. The first one, you've got to receive teaching every Sunday. It's so important. As we receive teaching every Sunday, we need to connect in fellowship every single week, right? And as we're connecting in fellowship every week, we need to start studying our scripture daily. And as we're studying scripture daily, we also need to commit to this, to talk to God about it, talk to him constantly about our life, including him in that. And as we're talking to God and we're growing in that, we also need then to serve. Get all this input, we need to have some way to, to express what God is doing in our life to serve others. Five great commitments that I'm challenging you today. I know I kind of got it in your face a little bit because... Uh, it's challenge. Here's the thing. Let's grow. Let's see God do amazing things. Can we do that? Let's see God grow us not just in size as a church, but in depth and in power. Let's see the kingdom of God come here and free people from, from despair and brokenness. Let's see the spirit of God do amazing things like he did in that very first church, right? In the very first day, right at Pentecost. Let's see the power of God work powerfully in our lives today. Let's be committed to Christ and and trust God to do his part. That's the challenge. So here are some challenges that I'm going to have for you. If you take out that wonderful connection card that now you know all the parts of it, there's a challenge. There's some things that I'm going to challenge you to do. The first one is this. Maybe it's memorize Acts 2.42 this week. You say, I'm just what I'm going to start with. It's a great commitment. Maybe you need to be reminded that there is actually a commitment necessary and what it looks like. So maybe that's what you memorize. Or how about this? Maybe your next thing you do is actually commit to reading the book of Acts. Yes, it's long, but it's an awesome story. And you want to see what God does when the church is committed greatly to what he's called us to do? It's awesome. You want to see what will happen? Same God. We need to have the same kind of faithfulness. Read that. See what God can do. How about this? 
Maybe there's commitments, one, two, three, four, or five. You say, what are those? They correspond with your notes, those five great commitments I put in there. Maybe there's one in there that you say, well, this is where I need to start because you're not going to eat the whole thing at once. So just start. And so maybe there's one. You say, this is what I'm going to focus on. This is right now. This is where I'm going to need help with. Why do you tell me that? Because I'm going to be praying for you and supporting you. That's what I love to do. Also, maybe what you need to do is join our discipleship class. Maybe you're ready to take that next step, step of faithfulness. You say, you know, I want to grow in faithfulness and learn these habits. It's going to be starting this spring. It helps us know um, how we get ready for that. So if that's you, let us know, and uh, we'll get you signed up. Maybe there's something else. Obviously, we'd love to hear from you. And maybe there's a prayer request, certainly. Let us know what your prayers are because they will be lifted before God. It's amazing to see what he does. Now, here in a minute, we're going to take our offering. And as, uh, as we do, uh, we're going to take these connection cards. We're going to put them in the offering basket. And, uh, and let this be an offering of yourself to God as well. All right, so let's pray for our offering uh, now. And uh, then we'll have the worship team come out. Heavenly Father, thank you for you that you love us so much that you committed yourself to us, that you, uh, Father, had, uh, you were so committed that you were willing to humble yourself and take death even on a cross. You were so committed to us that you were willing not just to leave heaven, but, Father, then go back to heaven and prepare a place for us. Lord, you were so committed to us that in your amazing sovereignty and, and foreknowledge that you created us, designed us perfectly, gifted to serve you in our world today that you've positioned this church absolutely perfectly to fulfill your calling in us. So, Father, you've been committed to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be committed to you. Help us this week to put you first as we put you in the center of our lives. Let us be obedient to your will and your words more and more. Father, help us to find our purpose that you've given us and help us to serve one another. Lord, help us to make your priorities our priorities. And, Lord, as we do that, Father, we're going to ask that you do great things in this church body this whole church body would be healthy and growing and filled with love. Lord, we pray that the gospel light would shine from this hill and flood the Estes Valley so that everyone who lives here will know who Jesus is and what he has done and the wonderful, amazing, and, and incredible offer of life that you've given us. And Father, that we would live up to the calling which you have given us and we will see your mighty hand at work in our lives and in this world. And Lord, we thank you for the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit who is with us every step of the way. We're grateful for your mercy and your kindness and your gentleness as we go through this. But Father, I pray that you help us to be a committed church. Lord, in that I pray that you would take these commitments each one of us has made today. Help us to keep them in a way that helps us draw closer to you. Father, thank you for the ability to offer our tithes and our gifts to you. Being committed again to to your kingdom, let us invest in it with all that we have and all that we are. Lord, to see you receive the glory that you deserve, we pray in Christ's wonderful name. Amen.